How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Welcome back to the Dr. Joe Show. Very nice. Welcome yeah. back, Mark, to the Dr. Joe Show. Yeah, it's, it's nice. been a week. It has, a it's day. been a whole, whole week. Whole well, week. it depends. Time is bending here because it was actually yesterday wow it's true and that's why it's being broadcasted we have absolutely confused everybody who's listening <laughs> already right yeah no question do you think but we ever do that that we confuse people mm. um if sometimes my puns can do that i mean when they're unleashed you can be uh, dangerous. To see how you did that. You like that? See what you're doing there. Yeah. I With, did. Yeah. Speaking of, of things being unleashed, could you introduce our guest for tonight? I would love to, Dr. Joe. Our guest tonight is Andrea Beach. Andrea is the founder and CEO of both Axis Network and Beachfront Custom Development, a leading authority on technology and consumer behavior. Miss Beach has advised Fortune 500 companies, mentored a variety of startups, and created engaging activations for some of the world's largest brands. Andrea's newest venture, Life Unleashed, which can be found at lifeunleashed.online. It's helping millions of people worldwide get unstuck and live their best lives. And she considers it her greatest passion and her life's purpose. Welcome, Andrea Beach, to the Dr. Joe Show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome, Andrea. That is quite, quite a bio. I mean, how, what's the beginning point of this? Where, how did you get here? What's the journey? Well, I came from nothing. I came from no good role models or mentors. So no good role models or mentors in business, for sure, but not in love life or personal relationships or finance or health or anything like that. So a lot of love, but not a lot of good advice. And I saw people that had a lifestyle that I wanted. And I'm not just talking about fancy cars and houses and things. I'm talking about loving marriages. I'm talking about healthy relationships with adult children and grandchildren, people that were healthy well into their seventies and eighties who were running triathlons and things. And I thought, what do they know that I don't know? And I made a real run at the business world first. And I wouldn't say it was a mistake, but it was a life lesson that I put all my eggs in that basket. I, I made a real hard run at learning how to be successful in business and a lot of trial and error, a lot of mistakes, a lot of life lessons. And I decided to study people who had done it better and smarter and faster in order to condense time. So if I could collapse decades, you know, into potentially years, then I figured I could get a leg up and I could win. And I found a few big successes, a few big wins in the business world. And this is about the time I was becoming a mother. And that's my, you know, pride and joy of, of course, my babies, like everybody else says. And I wanted to be a good example to them. So that made the other areas of my life even more important. 
I couldn't be a hypocrite and tell them to eat their vegetables if I wasn't as healthy as I could be. And then that applied to my intellectual life, my emotional life, my spiritual life, my love life. And those areas, if I was honest, had been lacking or had fallen to the wayside because I was so focused on being a good mom and a good CEO. So I learned by losing almost everything how not to do it. And um, after I don't know how many times of getting back up and dusting myself off, because that's the only option I ever considered, I figured out how to find success, not just in business, but do it consistently, but actually have that whole life balance, that whole life success. And that is actually when my career, my business really took off. And when I became, you know, the person I'd always dreamed of being. Hmm. There's. There's so much there. I mean, all the losses previous to the successes. I mean, and and coming from a family world where so many people come from. I mean, it's it's you know, it's remarkable. But but I wish it wasn't remarkable. Is it remarkable, or is this something that anyone can do? What do you think? I believe it is something anyone can do. There yeah. are so many people that have the same story from, you know, they come from divorced parents or they come from abuse or they come from abandonment or whatever their story may be. But you take two people that have the same story and it's not about what happened to them. It's about how they reacted to it. And I call it the blueberry and the diamond test. This is just my personal silly thing. So I say, you know, when you apply that pressure, does it make you into a diamond or do you squish out through the fingers like a blueberry? And so I just opted to never be a blueberry. I was going to be a diamond. That's a great image. Yeah. What do you think, Mark? I mean, you're a businessman. I love it. Yeah. Um, I had no idea what to expect from our guest here and I am blown away and I love the origin story. I love the fail forward where I'm resonating right now is that uh, role modeling for your kids, like that purpose, right? What is it all really about when you break it all down and to create amazing humans and, and role model for them so that they don't have to do all that extra work that I know you did, right? Where you didn't have those role models and you had to find it wherever you could where did you find it hundreds of books every mm. seminar webinar podcast i was not afraid to walk up to speakers at events i went to or to talk to people that were vastly more successful and ask them intelligent i think intelligent questions um and they weren't afraid to answer and that's something else is be bold you know what's the worst thing they can say get out of here you know but mm. a lot of people took the time and said, hey, you really want to listen? I'll, I'll tell you. And I paid attention. And I paid just as much attention to my failures as I did to my wins. Because there were a couple of times I had some big wins and I got a little cocky. I thought, oh, look at me. Yeah, until I went again. <laughs> I went, oh, wait a minute. So that's when I paid attention to the patterns. Because it's not just about being successful. People can figure that out once or twice. It's timing and lighting, right? They can figure it out. It's consistency. And that's the point I had to get to before I finally put my ego in check and actually realized, okay, there, there's a pattern here. There's a strategy here. And it takes some hard work and it takes a lot of humility. Hmm. Yeah. So what's the secret sauce? <laughs> what's the recipe? Where's the pixie dust? Tell us, share. It's. I don't think there's one silver bullet. 
but I will say that there are a few that have served me really well. One of my personal ones, I don't actually hear other people talk about this, but this has been a theme for my life is find out what everyone else is doing and do the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. It served me really well in business. It served me exceptionally well in life and every other capacity. So that's advice I give a lot. Advice I would give my younger self that I definitely didn't follow for the first half of my life that I think is part of the pixie dust is never settle. Never settle in your love life and your personal life, even for things like what you eat, what you wear. It's better to have one or two outfits that make you feel powerful and attractive and amazing than to have a closet full of junky clothes you don't like. Um, I would also say it's never give up. And boy, does that sound trite and like everyone else has said it. But I can't tell you how many times I I failed and got back up and failed and got back up. And it was the 11th time when it actually clicked. And if I had decided to give up, which is it is a decision, I would have never gotten to the huge wins and successes that I had. So the, the never give up makes sense, but not just beating your head against the same wall. You've got to learn and adjust and course correct and adapt if you're going to never give up. So those are some of my my favorite ones. Yeah. I mean, if you're not going to try, don't expect to succeed. I tell people all the time that say, I want to be financially free. You know, I want to be rich or I, you know, I want to have this kind of lifestyle. I said, great, go for it. You'll get there if you work hard at it because 97% of the world is not even trying. You don't have any competition. Hmm. It's just you against yourself. Wow. That's, I mean, that is sort of eye-opening that it's just you against yourself, but also that there's no competition. Tell me more about that. How, How do you perceive the world that way? Well, I have, when I was young and just starting off in my career, I have worked for other people and worked in companies and larger corporations. I hated it. (laughs) I was always that kid that was very entrepreneurial. I was selling off my toys to the neighborhood kids when I was young, you know, the typical stories. (laughs) And I didn't like having a boss. I just didn't. But I can tell you that when you actually decide that you want to be financially independent, you want to have the kind of lifestyle where if you decide you want to pick up and go to Mexico for two weeks or whatever it is you want to do. You want to take the day off and just play hooky. That's intentionality to get there. You don't just happenstance fall into that kind of lifestyle. You have to be intentional and you have to arrange and structure and set up things in order to get there. The good news is, like I said, there's not a lot of competition. There's not people who are necessarily stopping you or fighting for it. Like you would see in a competition you would have in a larger corporation. You got two or three people on your same level at a director position, all vying for that VP position or all vying for the SVP. It gets narrower at the top, right? Like a pyramid. So you do have competition for advancement when you're in a workforce situation. But if you want to build a life of your dreams, there's nobody to stop you. And the benefit now is more than any other time in history, we have an abundance of information we almost have too much information. It's wisdom and discernment and knowing what to do with all the information that gets thrown at us constantly and not being frozen by it. Just take a step. Is that, is the lack of competition that you talk about, is it more the um, desire not to compare, right? Compare is the, the thief of joy. And, and if you have no competitors, you know, you're not really comparing yourself. Your only competitor is yourself. I'm going to flip what you just asked around. 
because okay. what happens is let's say you've got a group of comrades or friends maybe y'all went to college together or you're in the same neighborhood or a lot of my friends were the parents adult parents of the kids that my kids hung out with okay mm -hmm. so you kind of get thrown into these social circles sometimes if you're not careful and intentional about who you spend your time with and they're lovely people but they were all at a certain level and when i would start talking about running companies or growing or financial freedom or things they would glaze over and not only were they not really interested, which is fair, that's fine. They didn't have to be interested. Um, but anytime I had a win, they were, I don't know if it was jealous, but they just couldn't really necessarily um, understand. And there was something in them that would want to kind of pull it down and go, you know, you work too hard. Just relax. Mm. Smell the roses, you know. <laughs> come down here or, with oh, us. So great. Yeah, come back down. And then if I'd have a big loss, I'd go, man, I just lost a million dollar contract. And I go, oh, poor baby, you've got this really successful business. You'll be fine. Right. Mm -hmm. So the problem then was surrounding myself with people. And you're talking about competition, surrounding myself with people who either didn't feel that they had to compete with me because I wasn't competing with them. I loved them. I wanted to bring everybody along with me, but they were not along for that ride. So it's really important. I, I tell this to people all the time. Find a mentor and find several and find community with other CEOs or other people that are maybe even a couple levels above where you are who genuinely want to see you win and who aren't afraid to challenge you and call you out and say, hey, wait a minute. You said you wanted this. Why are you doing that? And you go, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. You need those people in your life to help you. And that's where that competition thing goes away. The people that love you don't really want you to move too far above them because they love you. They're afraid they're going to lose you. That's interesting. A lot, a lot along the way. And I mean, what you're talking about is how people become successful in their own way. And I, I think that's so important because we have sponsors who do the same thing. Our sponsors have become successful in their own way. So let's take a break, listen to them. And we'll be right back with Andrea Beach and the Dr. Joe Show. Hey, folks, thank you for listening to the Dr. Joe Show. We've been investigating whether or not we want to bring sponsors into our podcast. What are your thoughts? Do you know somebody who might be a good partner with the Dr. Joe Show who may want to align their product or service with the Dr. Joe Show? Think about it. And we're back with the Dr. Joe Show with special guest Andrea Beach of lifeunleashed.online. Yeah, Life Unleashed. How'd you come up with that name? <laughs> it took me a little while because I, I had this idea to really give back to people so that they didn't have to go through the tumultuous up and down roller coaster journey that I've gone through. And I thought, let me not talk about what I'm giving them or what the process is. Let me talk about what the result is, because that journey is going to look different for everyone, depending on where they're starting and where they want to go. So I thought, what does everybody truly want? Even if they're very different and that journey is vastly different in the way it looks. Everybody ultimately wants a life where they feel totally free to be who they are and who they aspire to be. And to me, unleashed was the best word for that. So a life unleashed. Mm. How, how do you make sense of that? Why are we human beings who, who want this freedom? I mean, we could have been something very different from a social animal point of view. What's your take on that? 
oh, but we want both. We want safety and comfort and we want minimal effort, but we want big rewards. So as a species, we're very odd <laughs> because we want both. Yeah. Uh, and we may want both in the same moment, actually. We can have that hunger, that fire in our belly. And right in that moment, we say, but right now I just want to go put on some PJs and eat some popcorn and chill out, you know, and that's okay. And that doesn't make us wrong or bad. That makes us creatures of habit and comfort. That's where discipline and honestly, not just discipline, that's where a big enough purpose comes in. Passion mm. and purpose. Purpose is so important because that gives us a sense of value and, con and contributing to the community. I mean, that's, that's my feeling about it is that because we all want the same thing to feel valued, having a purpose gives us not only that, that personal goal, but hopefully we do it for other people as well. And I think that's, that's part of what you're really talking about is your success doesn't need to be based on somebody else's lack of success. Oh, no. And actually, when a person's purpose is larger than their own personal gain, it, it's exponentially more motivating. You know, if, if I'm just trying to lose weight, that's for me. And I have a purpose and I want to do that. And I may get up and go to the gym, but I may not because it's all about me. But if my purpose is helping someone else and I have the ability to help them and I see something that needs to be done, I'm getting up. I'm going. I'm helping them because they're counting on me. That's my purpose. It's different. Do you think that some of the failures have helped make you who you are today? <laughs> no question. Absolutely. And, you know, people say all the time, well, you didn't fail, you learned. Yeah, you no, I absolutely failed. Like tripped and fell and stumbled and looked like something out of a cartoon. Absolutely can you, failed. Can you give us an example what, of that? Because what, what does that mean? And, and what is failure in, in business world? Tell, oh, tell. wow. Oh, there were times when um, I made really bad decisions on business deals because at the time I thought it would either elevate my status in the technology world and then I didn't realize it would actually cannibalize almost all of my time and that that title or sitting in that board seat or being up on that stage talking to a bunch of other technology people wasn't going to actually advance the revenues and the profits of my business that I was trying to grow. And I went, wow, that was more about ego than it was about building something meaningful. That's a really good example. I probably have a whole closet full of those T-shirts I could tell you about times when I made decisions that didn't advance my true agenda and purpose, but felt good in that moment. And I think it was because I was playing at business before I really knew how to do it. It's like when a little kid comes walking in in their mom's high heels and her suit jacket and says, mommy, I'm a CEO. That was me. I was trying to pretend. I didn't know what I was doing, you know? So I made so many mistakes taking on projects with clients and customers that I really had no business going into business with. Um, they were grumpy. They couldn't make up their mind. They were wishy-washy. They paid late. They over-promised, under-delivered. And we continued to try to serve them until we were just choked almost to the point where we would go out of business trying to serve the wrong clients. I got to the point, finally, took me forever when I said no to almost more business than we said yes to. That's a scary thing for a CEO or any business owner to say no to business but it was the best decision I made. So there's just a few examples. I have a lot. Mm. Mark, is this resonating with you? Mark is, is a businessman. 
um, who done amazing things for our community as well. So what do you think, Mark? Yes, uh, Dr. Joe, it's completely resonating. And, uh, you know, so much of what Andrew is saying is, um, it, it, it resonates, right? So the obstacle is the way, you know, fail forward, um, win or learn, you know, these are cliches, but they're and I'm not saying that you're using those terms, uh, Andrea, I'm not suggesting that. However, you know, we've talked about cliches on this show, Dr. Joe, it's, it's like they're repeated for a reason, mm -hmm. right? Because they resonate with people or they impact or they are uh, true in the, in the, the nature of things. And um, there is definitely something about failing that successful people understand right because there is that fear of failure right some people are motivated by the fear of failure yet the folks that i see as successful have failed numerous times and not stopped and the ones that stop you don't know because they stopped and said, I'm going to go back to that comfort zone because mm -hmm. I don't like failing. It doesn't feel good. But if you lean into that, you know, there's, there's biological science to this, right? So there's, you know, the David Goggins of the world and, uh, you know, the, the hard way is the only way, right? To, to continue to sharpen that steel and to continue to push the rock up the hill. Um, but to have purpose, I think is, is, uh, is that pixie dust, right? Is what, what is that? And it's so hard to define. Mm -hmm. But we resonate with it. With, with the work that you're doing, Andrew, how do you help someone find their purpose? How do you do that? That's such a good question. I get asked all the time. People will say to me, I really want to know what my purpose is. And I find um, kind of my sweet spot is working with middle-aged women. It's not that I can't help men and I do all the time, but I have a real heart for middle-aged women because if you think about what happens at middle age, we've been in maybe a career. I have women tell me all the time, I've been an accountant or I've been a fill in the blank for 38 years. That's all I've ever done. I don't know how to do anything else, but I'm bored to death. Is this really all my life is going to look like? That's one. Middle-aged women often wake up either in a loveless marriage or divorced or widowed, and it's a whole new world out there, baby, when you're talking about dating, and that's very different than it was when we were young. Mm. They're often empty nesters, and women that used to be Jason's mom or found purpose and meaning in their kids, and, and obviously my children are my world. But... My son's name is Jason, but so <laughs> that's <laughs> remarkable. So go ahead. Well, I'm not aimed at you. my wife right now. <laughs> no coincidences. Of right. course, what are the odds? But, but that's a very interesting transition for women because then they say, well, then who, who am I? And mm. then I find that middle-aged women often kind of reach that point in their life where they go, this isn't the fairy tale I thought my life was going to turn out to be. You know, the books, the fairy tales, the Disney movies, it just, it didn't really do us any favors because nobody taught and trained us for this part of our life. And so back to your question, which is a phenomenal question is, and, and it would take too long for me to actually go through the exercise, but there is a framework 
for it. In fact, I have it on unleashed.online. There's an actual course called Legacy and Purpose. And I put it together because I had so many people say, oh, how do I know what my purpose is or my mission is? I like so many different things or I don't even know what I like. And the things that I'm passionate about, I have no idea how I can make money at those things. Oh, I promise you, give me some lint and a paper clip and I'll put a business together around it. There's a way to do it. But that exercise it requires some uh, reframing of your mind. And it also requires chunking down. That's a super official term. Chunking down of the things that I call it passion, talent, alignment. What are the things that you're really good at naturally? Some people are just naturally super organized. They can do math in their head. You know, they, they're they excellent, charming communicators, whatever it is. Other people have very different skills and that's fine. What are the things that you're super passionate about? Like, what could you sit and talk about for hours if somebody would allow you, you know, to just go and go? Or if you got locked in a room with a laptop for three hours, no walls, no windows, all you could do is just look on that laptop. What would you look up? Baseball stats, cooking recipe stuff, art, music, what would it be? You start chunking down what you're good at and what you're super passionate about. And I also challenge what breaks your heart. Like. You know, what do you give to? If you give to a charity or if you volunteer, what is it? For me, it's sex trafficking and children trafficking and things like that. Doesn't mean I don't care about the environment. Doesn't mean I don't love animals. Oh my gosh, I love animals. But the thing that I tend to gravitate toward that really breaks my heart is that. And so put that on the list. So there's this exercise for culling and kind of curating all of these things that make you uniquely you and then figuring out where all of those Legos snap together, if you will. And it is. It's possible to find it. These are just great clips. I mean, so it's inspiring. When when somebody is coming to work with you, what what can they expect? How, how does that how does that work out? Uh, they can expect to be jarred a little bit. That's one thing. <laughs> Good. Because you know, if they could figure it out on their own, they yeah. would have already gotten there. So they don't come to me to be validated for the things that they've done right and wrong. They come mm. to me for change. Mm. And that's where I'll often pull out my hypnosis background or my NLP or which is neuro-linguistic programming or design human engineering, because sometimes they need a little bit of a wake up call and, and they usually just need a framework. And one of the things that I love working with people when they come to me is giving them really small wins in the beginning. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're trying to eat right, you're trying to lose weight, you're trying to quit smoking, whatever your thing is you're trying to do, little bitty small wins. I had a very healthy breakfast, small win. I went to the gym today, small win. Small wins create momentum and they create pride and they create a pattern of the right behavior in the right direction, which then lead to big wins. And I know you fully understand this concept. So we're very aligned in this way as well. Very aligned. I mean, just thinking about it, when you are reminding someone of their values, you give them that small win saying, that's fantastic. That's creating serotonin and oxytocin and all sorts of neurohormones that are really, really good. And it's not just a, a dopamine happiness. It's really a pleasure of being part of a community and, and being valued. And I am so grateful to our sponsors because they give us that every week we are part of their community we feel valued it's rewarding and we're going to take a listen to them we'll be right back with the dr joe show let's take a break hey folks welcome back so any thoughts do you listen to other podcasts 
Do you see how they do the sponsors? Is there a way that they're utilizing sponsors that you enjoy or you don't enjoy? I listen to Smartless and I really enjoy how the co-hosts share the voiceover for the product or service. It's really funny for the most part, but it's unique. It's them really endorsing. Does that work? What do you think? And we're back with the Dr. Joe Show with special guest Andrea Beach of Life Unleashed Online. Prepare for what is next. And, and we're hearing all sorts of amazing things. And in the last quarter, you, you mentioned hypnosis and neuro-linguistic programming. I think people probably know what hypnosis is, but what's neuro-linguistic programming? Well, people often have the wrong perception of hypnosis. So Fair first enough. of all, they, they think it's a swinging pocket watch and counting backwards from 100, which it can be. That's very clinical hypnosis or clucking like a chicken on stage or something. But if you really look at the foundational level, it is um, tapping into your subconscious in order to make changes. If you think about your neurology as a computer, it's like hacking into your computer and changing the programs. The NLP version of that is much faster. You don't have to sit there for an hour and go into this deep trance in order for things to happen. There's ways to shortcut that. And you're using the linguistics and often things like tone and pattern interrupts and things to reframe someone's brain. And the reframing often is very subtle. It's a little shift. And that reframe can make all the difference in the world. Even a 3% shift means a lot to a sailboat. Mm -hmm. So how, how does linguistics play into this? Why that word? Well, let me give you a couple of examples. Great. So if I'm, uh, I don't know, uh, if I'm in sales and I say, well, by now, Dr. Joe, you realize that our product is blah, blah, blah. Well, I just gave you an embedded command to buy now. Yeah, I heard it. Where I would I say, Great. you know, Mark, you like me, want the very best for our children. And we would agree. What I really said was, you like me. Yeah. And I said it as a statement and I paused. So your subconscious is like a little three-year-old wide-eyed child that says, I do like you. And then you, your conscious mind goes, what? And then right then you say, want the very best. You go, oh, okay. Well, okay. I'm back. I'm paying attention. That's how it works. While your conscious mind is so busy trying to figure out what you're going to say next and how you appear and what this person thinks of you, your subconscious is sitting there like a three-year-old with the Sharpie running around marking on your walls. So, How much, how much of that is manipulation versus hmm. strategy? It can versus... be both. I mean, these are Jedi powers. They can be used for good or evil. So that's right. just the honest, brutal truth. There is an oath that we take when we get certified and we go through this process. Um, but how many people violate oaths? I hope not many, but as a behaviorist, I can tell you more than we'd like. Um, but I also can tell you two things. Your hypnosis or NLP or whatever this is that you're doing or going through, your conscious mind is the guard at the gate. That's your adult. And it would not allow for something that you're not okay with. So for example, if somebody tried to hypnotize you or use NLP or design human engineering to get you to start smoking and you don't identify as a smoker, it would be very difficult to get you to do something like that. Nobody could get you to say, you know, rob a house or pick up a gun or do something. If you say, I just, I would never do that. You're okay. Cause you wouldn't do it anyway. 
So it's, it's really things that you want on at least a deeper level. You just maybe didn't know how to get. And the second thing I'll say is that people say, I'm too smart for that. I can't be hypnotized. Well, the statistical fact is the higher your IQ, the smarter you are, the easier it is to put you in trance. The easier it is for NLP and hypnosis in general to work and work faster. And the reason why is because you're so smart that you're all out front paying attention to the magic trick and how it's done that meanwhile, I just walk around the back door and I'm in. And your unconscious is running around with their magic marker. Correct. Hmm. So with the example, you know, buy now or you, you know, you like me, are we, are we doing these to ourselves then? Is that what oh, sure. linguistic programming is about is being able to recognize the little words that we use to influence ourselves or am I missing something here? Oh no. I mean, absolutely. So the words that we say to ourselves, because we talk to ourselves all the time, whether we speak it out loud or not, are the most valuable because we trust our own voice even more than we trust our parents or voices that we grew up with. We trust our own voice. And if we tell ourselves, God, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. Or, oh, I knew I wouldn't be able to do that right. Or we listen and that is programming. So if we can tell ourselves every time we catch ourselves ah, 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 and we can reframe, being able to reframe in that moment, it might take three, four, eight times to do it. But eventually we will reprogram ourselves to find the positive instead of the negative. That's one of my favorite small changes that can lead to big results, yeah. as you talk about, is instead of somebody saying, why is this happening to me? It's a very subtle and small change in the way they talk to themselves to say, what can I learn here? What is the opportunity here? Right. Yeah. That reframe is so important. Uh, and, and really, you know, that that is part of what the I am is trying to do. It's, it's shifting the paradigm away from pathology in my field, but also what happens when you start seeing yourself as just doing the best you can? You, you don't have to like it. But why not look again while you're doing it? You know, and that's that's what the I am is look again, again, look again to repeat something, look like a spectator. Let's respect why we're doing what we're doing. And when you can do that, I think it feeds right into what you're what you're helping people do is find their purpose. So we're way more kind, supportive, optimistic and motivating to other people than we often are with ourselves. And why is that? I could not agree more. What do you think, Andrew? Well, there's a number of reasons. I mean, one, we have high expectations for ourselves, but I would say in general, it's programming. It's how we were talked to, how our parents talked to each other, how our teachers spoke to us, what was expected of us. So it's the programming we got. Mm -hmm. And if we don't live up to that programming, or if we fall right in line like a drummer's drumbeat to the programming that we were given, that feels safe. That feels comfortable to us. So even in the negative patterns, patterns can be comforting. So the key is to make that negative pattern feel uncomfortable and unsafe and reward ourselves with positive patterns. That's the reframing and make that feel good and happy and comfortable. So you're attaching the good to the good and yeah. you're purposefully attaching negative to the bad. It's interesting because the phrase I use is, you know, it, is it familiar? Or is it comfortable? 
because sometimes these things are so familiar that we're just, we don't get anxious. We don't, you know, because we recognize it, but that doesn't make it comfortable because mm -hmm. it's familiar. So when you're working with someone, do they have to then find those self phrases? They find their linguistic hook and then you help them create a new one? Oh, sure. So we'll uncover, we, we do a lot to help them reveal not only negative patterns and negative self-talk or thoughts or beliefs, limiting beliefs as we call them, but then we actively reframe and put together new positive patterns and outcomes and then create a reward system for it. And often I have a program called Love Life Breakthrough that's with for couples, because what I realize is um, I predominantly work with business owners, right? And so if I'm working with a business owner, often they're in business with their spouse or it's a family business. So there's all these relational dynamics. So I started this whole other program called Love Life Breakthrough to help couples take their relationship to the next level and, and really be giddy teenagers until the day they die. And in doing so, you've got to reframe together because what happens if all of a sudden one partner starts being positive and losing weight and being more attractive, that other partner goes, whoa, who are you? What'd you do with my spouse? And mm. they will unconsciously pull them down and back because they're resisting change. So unless you can help reframe and reprogram them together, then you will typically backslide or have people that try to hold you back. What about that change that is so challenging for so many people to go through that path to change? What makes it difficult? I think people resist change because they have to admit where they really are. And that's an uncomfortable, sometimes embarrassing, shameful or humiliating thing for people to get really clear on where they truly are. And once they do that, then they can figure out the path to where they wanna be. But that first step, it's a lot easier to keep brushing under the rug. So, so how do you help someone with that? What, what positive reinforcer can you give so that, wow, it feels, it actually feels pretty good to be looking at myself this way, not mm -hmm. being afraid of, of what I'm gonna find. How mm -hmm. do you, do that because you must have I mean the resistance is true it's so real yeah I, I use a lot of phrases um and one of the things that we talk about was how would it feel if and then you fill in the blank and we use this for positive right how would it feel if you were in such good physical shape that you could do this you could do that play with your grandkids whatever how would it feel if your sex life was better than it was when you were in your 20s and you guys have been married 38 years, you, you start and you they kind of go, I don't know how that would feel, but how it feels accesses a different part of their brain than what would it look like or how would it sound or what would it be like? So you ask, how would it feel? Mm -hmm. So now you're creating the emotion, but then you have to work on the other side of the equation. How would it feel if you can't even get up off the couch? What, what happens if your grandchild comes in and wants to go throw a baseball? How would it feel if you had to say no? or you weren't even around to go to his first game. And they start, oh my gosh, that would feel horrible. So you're creating this dichotomy between what they want and how good that feels. Mm -hmm. And then you can lock that in. And then you actually want to highlight how bad it would feel to not achieve it. That'll get them to budge. That's what gets them off their focus to move mm -hmm. and make action. Do you, do you ever um, say the what if part for like sitting on the couch and then instead using the word, if use the word, when you're slimmer, would there be a difference? 
It's... Well, it, and when we're talking about NLP, we use all kinds of sleight of mouth. So yeah. if you said, for example, well, what would it feel like if you could hop up right now and do 10 jumping jacks and not even be winded? And you'll see them access that part of your brain. You'll go now and you'll say something like that. That's a little jarring. Yeah. And you actually just said now, like and their subconscious mind goes, OK, now. So you're reframing kind of that slide of mouth I used earlier with by now or you like me. You'll get them into that state and then you amplify it. And I'll give you one other little Jedi trick here. If you can <laughs> anchor it. So let's say that's a really great feeling and you have them, they anchor it. They do something with their hands or they, when they do this or whatever that anchor is. And then every time you put them back into that state where they feel really good or really empowered or whatever, they go back to that, that little trigger, that kinesthetic physiological anchor. It makes it that much more strong and amplified. And then when you're not really feeling it, I could do that motion and my brain goes, oh, wait, I know what that is. And you'll access it. It's like a shortcut on a keyboard. Yeah, it's so true. Um, and, and again, there, there's some pretty deep biology to it as well. Then there's the resistance to it. that Some mm -hmm. people just won't, won't be able to go there initially. Um, I'm very grateful that I've never experienced that with our sponsors because they're always ready to go to that next phase of like, yes, let's do this. So let's do this. Let's, let's hear from them and we'll take a break and we'll be right back with Andrea Beach and some very important work. Hey, welcome back. And again, we're super grateful for you listening to the Dr. Joe Show. If you have anyone that you think might be a good sponsor, shoot us an email at drjoepodcast at gmail.com. D-R-J-O-E podcast at gmail.com. Give us your thoughts about the show too. We're wondering, are we talking to the trees or are people really gaining value in this? Please let us know. Thank you again and enjoy the rest of the show. And we're back with the Dr. Joe Show with special guest Andrea Beach of Life Unleashed Online. Andrea, we were talking a little bit off air during the ads of our, 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 our sponsors about change and, you know, covid was a was a situation where we in my business had to make rapid changes and it was really interesting to watch and to participate and to run shoulder to shoulder with folks that were not really in love with change Right. I'm kind of a change junkie. If you ask anybody in my Absolutely. my business world or my businesses, it's like I like to break things and, and change things. And not everybody is like that. And um, and I know that I'm not the best Sherpa of change. I, I like to be part of it. However, I'm not very good at bringing people along that journey of denial uh, resistance, experiment, adopt the newness of things. And I mean, what can you share with somebody like me to help guide other people through the journey of change? Uh, well, I would say you're the unicorn. You are the rare exception. Most people resist change. Um, 
change is typically considered uncomfortable and it's the fear of the unknown. So congratulations on being a change agent. Um, and I would say that there is a right and wrong way to bring people along with you. Um, and it's often not finger wagging or, you know, you should or anything mm. like that, because that tends to backfire. What works really well in whatever version of this is applicable for you or for anyone's business, the best way to bring people along is to paint the pleasure of the change in equal measure to the pain of not changing. So everything is pleasure and pain, right? We're always running toward pleasure and away from pain. You make the pain big enough, someone's going to change. But if you make the pleasure side of it big enough and you have some pain over here, then you can bring them along that journey. So the job of any leader, business leader, community leader, family leader, whatever that that person is that's needing to bring people to a new place, mentally, physically, whatever, especially if it's rapid change, is to have that group or have those individuals shift their identity from the nuts and bolts of the things that they do every single day to a larger identity where what they're actually doing is irrespective or really doesn't matter the nuts and bolts of how they do it. You're broadening their identity. So for example, if if someone is a, a social worker, let's say, and they've always worked at this desk and they've always worked this particular route, now you need them to work from home because of COVID, for example. And now they have to do everything over a computer. And they say, I don't like this at all. I don't know how to do this. They resist. You say, it's not about you being, you know, a social worker in this little box, how they have themselves. Instead, you reframe it for them and you talk about all the benefits, the pleasure of how many more people they can help, how many more children they can help, for example, because now they're not limited to space and time and driving and logistics. And you talk about how now they don't have to have the pain of fighting through rush hour traffic and they're sitting in a cold building all day. They actually have so much more freedom. So I'm making this up as I go, but you understand the, the philosophy because their identity is the cape on the back. They're there to help people. They're there to serve and to implement all the best practices that they know. How they do that doesn't really matter. And in fact, in this new way, you can have your superpower on steroids because you're not as limited as you used to be. Now they go, yeah, you're right. I am that superpower. So you're bolstering what they consider to be their superpower. And therefore the how doesn't matter near as much. Hmm. Can you apply that today, Mark? Right now. Yeah. Already really? doing it. Yeah. I mean, tomorrow, new day. Mark, you know, he is a great leader, really is. And, and change is, is all about Mark. But this has been a huge change for him because he's now actually got, you know, I'm saying it, he's got time to sit and think and ponder all these things that, that you are talking about, Andrea, instead of just sort of like running by in, on a quest to success. Well, you got to fill me in then. You got to give me some follow-up afterwards and let me know how some of these new ideas actually get implemented. I'd be curious to hear the results. Yeah. And, I'll be you dialing, know, dialing in online. Yeah. And and with that, you know, it, it really is the first truth of the I am, right? Because the four domains interact, your home domain, your social domain, biological, and the IC domain, and, and we're responding the best we can to those domains. But because they interact, a small change in any one of the domains can have a big effect. People don't need to change everything. So Andrea, based on what we're talking about tonight, what small change can you recommend to our listeners? 
a universal change that I think is small but mighty is not making assumptions. Hmm. It is it is absolutely catastrophic. And I'm not exaggerating with that word. When we make assumptions about people and we make up stories in our head and we run with that narrative only to find out later or maybe never find out because we get really embedded with these narratives that it didn't serve us, it's not true or a part of it isn't true. And so therefore, when we can actually train ourselves not to make assumptions, whether it's with our loved ones or in a business deal or we walk into a retail store that we think we might want to actually be a customer of. If we don't make assumptions, beautiful things happen. That is such a small change that can have profound impact on your life. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. That's theory of mind, right, Dr. Joe? I mean, that is the yeah. essence of, you know, why are we doing that? Mm-hmm. Always. We're always analyzing and making conclusions to the situation we're in well how do you how do you how do you not do that Andrea I guess is a better question it's just training it's just being aware and if you do it on small low stakes situations you know when you you walk into a coffee shop and you order and that person's really rude to you and you think what in the heck and you make assumptions you say wait a minute I'm doing it again I'm making assumptions hang on and you, you maybe change your mind about who that is you're talking to. And you can start with these little small interactions and low stakes games, as I say, to practice. And then eventually you'll start to notice that there are times when not only not making assumptions, but I guess the follow on to that, another small change would be to approach life with an air of curiosity. There's another one for you. And if you don't make assumptions, but instead if you fill that void with curiosity, and you start asking very curious questions, not accusatory questions, curious questions, you'll get answers you never even knew you were going to get. That's, that's interesting. And that's, and that's really the I am as well. It's, it's exactly, there's so much resonance here, Andrea. It's just remarkable that you've been able to take this and really apply it, create lesson plans, help people concretely with it. Um, but, but you're right. You know, if you can step back and look again at that person and say, hmm, why are they doing that? And that's what the Dr. Joe show is, right? Exploring who we are and why we do what we do. You step back, you look again. Don't assume that that person is, hasn't had a bad day. I mean, there's a reason why they're doing what they're doing as well. And, and that actually gets to the second truth of the I am. Because everyone is interested in what you think or feel about them through their IC domain. And you know that's gonna have an effect on their biological domain because as we said earlier, it feels different when you feel respected or disrespected and you're part of someone's home or social domain. The second truth of the I am, you control no one, but you influence everyone. You get to choose the kind of influence you wanna be. So Andrea Beach, prophet, wisdom giver, person who like helps others in their life unleashed. What kind of influence do you want to be? That is such a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, I feel like there's so much isolationism 
right now inside families, even people that are inside very busy work environments. People feel very alone. They don't feel seen. And so the change that I personally want to be, my mission, my purpose, fighting all these battles and getting to a place where I'm living my ultimate dream life is to be that spark, to light that candle or turn on that lamp in a very dark room for someone and help light them up inside. So not only do they see again who they are and the possibilities, but the difference that they can make in the world. Lighting someone else up is the absolute greatest joy. It is it's, it's the thing that gets me up every day. I, I I'll cry about it if I talk about it too much, because when you light someone else up, there's a butterfly effect, a ripple effect. When they feel seen, even if you just take a moment and just look them in the eye, do you know how few people actually look other people in the eye? You can do that today. You just walk right up to your son or your spouse and you just stop and look them in the eye and say, hi. And they're jarred because they're not used to it. That little, little step can have butterfly effects that we can't even imagine. That's why we're here. So that's my joy. It's so true. And it, it's reminding that person that they're valuable. Yes. I mean, that's really what it is. When you see someone and really do, I mean, that's what, remember that movie Avatar? That was my favorite part of the movie Avatar. Great movie. Right? Mm-hmm. The way they greet each other. I see you. Yes. You know? Just, Yeah. But it's not telling somebody that they're valuable. No. It's actually getting them to to realize it themselves and to own it. Yes. That's the beauty. Yeah, that's right. I'm just curious. You've spoken about failures, successes. If you were to look back on the last parts of your career, the, the whole career, was there one moment, do you think, that really sort of was the pivot point to get you where you are here right now with your own unleashed life? Uh, Yeah, there was actually. Um, So I was at a point where I, I won't go through the whole story, but I had formed a joint venture with a company and took over that company, the new uh, venture as CEO, and it didn't go well. And I ended up in a really bad situation financially in my business, my whole career, I had rolled my entire business, my entire life's work into this joint venture. Um, I was being attacked both professionally and personally. It was really, really ugly. My marriage fell apart. My kids were a wreck. I was probably about 25, 30 pounds overweight. I was exhausted and I was spiritually drained. So I was at rock bottom. So during that time, I had so low, I got so low that it was a fight or flight moment. I was either going to be crushed by the weight of it and that was it, or I was going to be that, you know, Phoenix rising from the ashes. And that's when I decided that it was better to be forged in fire. It was better to actually come back out in that moment with more power and more wisdom and as more authority because I had been to all the darkest places. So that was my lowest low. And I found in that moment that I had to play at a higher stakes level in order to get out of the threat. I found there was this whole new caliber of people and opportunities. And the way forward was up, not down into the yuck. That was the catapult for me. Hmm. 
It's a great story. A catapult, and, and it pushed you to those higher levels. Mm-hmm. And now you continue to climb. Yes, but I also understand when people are there, you know, because it wasn't easy. And so there's people oftentimes that don't know me or know my story. They say, well, how would you possibly understand? Look at you. Right. I say, oh, you have no idea. Let's talk for five minutes. Let's talk. And then you'll right. change your mind. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you came on tonight. And I, I know Thank I listened to Thank you really for having me. It. So, folks, we really appreciate Andrew Beach being here. You can find her. How do they find you again? There's a couple of ways. You can go to andreabeach.me or if you're interested in some of these courses, master classes, or you want to talk with me individually, I love doing one-on-one coaching and I have a fantastic team. Go to lifeunleashed.online and there's pretty much anything you could want on there and more coming every single day. That's great. And you have Oops. a and you have a wonderful social media uh, um, profiles as well, both uh, uh, Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, so it's typically the Andrea Beach with the uh, underscores in between. That's pretty much how you can find me on social. And it's me. It's really me. So I'm happy to, you know, if you want to DM me and talk back and forth, because I love to get into it. Cool. It's great. All right. Thanks so much, folks. You know where to find us. You know where to find Andrea. And we'll see you next week. Bye, Mark. Bye, Andrea. Bye, Dr. Joe. Bye, everybody. Thank Thank you. Stretch the canvas, brush with madness. Is it sadness or just a show?